my name is Lexi and welcome to the very first episode of Conversations with Lexi. I decided to start this podcast in order to open up discussions into topics that I'm really passionate about. And I hope that by doing this, we're able to have the difficult but very necessary conversations that need to be had. And I feel as though a podcast setting is the best way that I can utilize my voice into being part of the solution and being the change that I wish to see in this world. So welcome. I'm super excited to start this journey with you all. So we're just going to jump right into it. I know everyone's aware of the murder of George Floyd by the police officers in Minneapolis. Um, There's that awful video that's shows him pleading for his life and then pleading and begging for his mom. I learned today that his mom died two years ago, so that just broke my heart even more. But if I'm being honest, I did not watch the whole video. I just, I couldn't bring myself to see the awfulness in its entirety. I don't think that it's normal for us to be consuming black death as much and as often as we do in the media. Um, So for me, it was just about protecting myself mentally. I never knew that I could feel that much despair and heartbreak and anger um, and reaching out to my friends, especially my black friends. I've seen that the feeling is mutual. We are just heartbroken. And you feel helpless, like, what do you do in these situations? How can you help? How is it that all of those bystanders were literally blocked from being able to intervene? They couldn't do anything. To me, it really just sent a message that those police officers were going to do whatever they wanted and nobody could stop them. And they really got off on that. I'm just tired of seeing people who look like me die day in and day out solely based on the color of our skin. There was no need for George Floyd to die, and yet here we are, adding him to another hashtag, another hashtag for justice, demanding justice, another protest, demanding the government do the right thing. It just, for me, I know It just psychologically has fucked me up because I just see it as if you're black in this country and something bad happens to you, especially if the police are at fault, then there's a real good chance that you will not receive justice and you will not get your equal day in court or the proper media coverage unless there's a protest, unless there's national outrage and if you're lucky somebody recording it so that if you're ripped from this earth as George Floyd was there is video evidence to support your innocence and if there's no video recording what what do you get how many hashtags don't we know about because nobody was there to record it and people were able to say they look dangerous to me They had a weapon on them. I feared for my life, so that's why I shot them. They had drugs on them when there was no drugs. Which, by the way, why does that warrant somebody dying? There's not one good reason 
that these people are dying. And you know what the funny thing is? <laughs> it's not funny. The fucked up thing is. So I've been researching um, just different terminologies, just trying to get myself as educated as possible. And the FBI defines domestic terrorism as violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences such as those of a political, religious, social, racial, or environmental nature. So, why do I say this? Because George Floyd was murdered over using a counterfeit $20 bill. He was handcuffed, accused of resisting arrest, where there's video evidence, surveillance footage that directly contradicts that statement in its entirety. Um, And then he was suffocated. And he pleaded for his life and was told that since he was talking, clearly he was breathing and he was fine. Yet, we have someone who purposefully went into a church, sat down with its black members, and shot them. Killed nine innocent African Americans in hopes of starting a race war. And then he went on a run. For 16 hours, he was missing. When the cops finally caught up to him, uh, he was arrested and he told the police officers that he was hungry. And you know what they did? They brought him to Burger King and fed him. So, for all of those who say, why do you make it a black and white thing? A black man had his life taken over $20, but a white terrorist can kill nine people, go on record to say that he did it because he wanted to start a race war. And when the police caught him, they treated him with respect. And if if I'm calling it favoritism, and took him to get something to eat. I really want to know why there is such a disregard for black human lives in this country. And when I say disregard, I'm talking about how Ahmaud Arbery was murdered in February. February 23rd, he was murdered by three white men. We didn't hear nothing on a national level until May. Nobody got arrested until May 7th, there were murderers walking the streets, living their lives for almost two and a half months. And it took national outrage and a demand for justice for the Georgia government to begin to do the right thing. And then we have Breonna Taylor. She was murdered on March 8th. In her home, she was sleeping with her boyfriend. He heard a commotion. He thought there was a home intrusion, so he took out his gun that he lawfully owned. And in Kentucky, it's a stand-your-ground law, so there's no reason why what the following happened, there was no reason why it should have happened. But he fired at the intruders, and it turned out to be undercover police officers who misidentified Brianna and her boyfriend Kenneth's apartment for an apartment that had um, drug 
dealings going in and out of it. But they never announced themselves. There was no warrant. And they came in and they shot up their bedroom 22 times. Breonna Taylor died in her sleep, eight bullets to her body. And you know what happened? Her boyfriend was arrested for attempted murder on a police officer. And he wasn't released from jail until May 14th. Or actually, no, it was last week, but we didn't hear about it until the middle of May. Then there's Christian Cooper. One of the lucky ones, because we didn't have to make a hashtag as his family mourned his death. So Christian Cooper is an avid bird watcher. He um, was in Central Park in the Rambles. I'm not from New York, so I don't know what part of it is. But I guess it's a really popular place to see some really cool birds. And it requires dogs to be on leashes. He had asked this woman to... Please leash her dog because where they were, the dog was required to be on a leash. This woman was so entitled and so upset that Christian asked politely for her to leash her dog that she threatened him, said that she was going to call the police and say that there was an African-American man threatening her life. And then she proceeded to call the police and fix her voice to sound so hysterical. You would, If there was no video footage, you would have thought she was in imminent danger and that her life was about to end. And the only reason why Christian Cooper is alive today is because he was lucky enough to record the interaction and leave before the police got there. I just want to explain quickly how dangerous this woman's actions were in the history behind what she did. In 1955, Emmett Till was lynched after a white woman accused him of flirting with her. Her husband and his brother abducted Emmett from his home, beat him beyond recognition, shot him in the head, and then wrapped his body with weights so that it would be submerged. In 2017, so 62 years later, this woman had an interview with um, someone who was writing a book and doing research on different subjects, and Emmett Till was one of them. She admitted that she had lied and that Emmett Till had not flirted with her. So Emmett Till was lynched, At 14 years old, his parents died long before they ever got justice for him, long before they ever heard this woman admit that she had been wrong and had been the cause of their son's murder. And that woman is still alive today. So there's not a doubt in my mind that Amy Cooper had every intention of weaponizing the police so that what happened to the Emmett Tills of this country would have happened to Christian Cooper if he had not left. There's a quote by James Baldwin that I've really resonated with, and it says, To be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. And I can tell you that 
the older I get and the more I try to educate myself on the history of this country and its black history, the angrier I become. In these protests that have been happening and will continue to happen, I see generations of trauma that's been inflicted upon black people. I think about the 1963 16th Street Baptist Church bombing that killed four little black girls by white supremacists. I think of the 1921 Tulsa, Oklahoma bombing of Black Wall Street by the government on the wealthiest black community in the United States at the time. I could sit here all day and give you countless examples from the days of slavery and the Nat Turner Rebellion to the lynchings and the institutions that have been put into place by the United States to specifically keep its black citizens from ever truly being acknowledged as citizens. There's redlining and mass incarceration. There are sundown towns that still exist to this day where it's known that if you are black and are in that area after dark, serious harm can and will happen to you by white racists. And yet there are people who don't understand the function of protesting, who don't understand the unmeasured rage in our community. If you don't feel anger and disgust, I don't know what to tell you. If you still think it's acceptable to counter me with this all lives matter nonsense, I don't know what to tell you. Our history has shown that we do not matter. Our history has shown that protesting is the way to get our voices heard. Burning places such as the Minneapolis Police Department the other day, or riots, as Martin Luther King Jr. put it, is the language of the unheard. And <laughs> even then, when it's all said and done, the government and those in power will turn around and still not bring about justice. Just look at our more recent history of Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, Atatiana Jefferson, Botham Jean, Eric Garner, little eight-year-old Ayanna Jones, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. Will George Floyd be next? After all of this being said, if you still don't question the morals of this country, you are part of the problem. And if you came to this podcast not understanding the Black Lives Matter movement, I truly hope I've laid it out all crystal clear. That the injustices experienced by Black people in this country solely based on the color of our skin has directly contributed to our deaths and the inequalities we face every single day. When I first posted about George Floyd on my Instagram, I truly expected every single person that I had followed to be posting about it too. Because it's not just a black people's issue. It's a crime against humanity. And I was really disappointed to see that not a lot of people were initially posting about it. They were just going about their lives, posting the nice sunny days. And it made me think, am I crazy? Am I the only one that's feeling this rage and anger? Am I the only one that wants to break something right now? Like, what is going on? And... The more I looked at accounts from other black people, I noticed that it was a feeling that they were feeling towards their non-black friends as well. It's like, it was like a slap in the face, honestly. Like, why are you not 
saying anything? Why are you not acknowledging this at all? And I had a couple of friends reach out to me saying that when I posted um, a repost of Aoki Lee Simmons' post to my story where she calls out her non-Black friends for not speaking out, that that had really resonated with them and that they did feel just as disgusted as we were feeling about it, but they didn't know if it was their place to say anything. And to that, I'm going to answer here just like I did with them. It's anybody's place to feel this anger, and it's everybody's responsibility to raise awareness about it and to announce it to the whole world that it's not acceptable. It's okay if it's your first time posting about it. As a black person, I need the people in my life, all of the people in my life, to be fighting for the same things. Because I like to think that I have surrounded myself with like-minded people. That I've created a space for myself where I don't allow bigotry and racism to have a place in my life. And so by not posting about it, and not acknowledging it at all is not showing me that I've picked the right people in my life. And I'm sure as most of you know that I've become very pointed in my Instagram post where I'm saying and reposting content that says that if you are not a supporter of Black Lives Matter and if you are not actively posting it, we are not friends. And I mean it 100%. For those who have reached out to me to share your concern and to ask what you can do to do better, I salute you so much because it takes real reflection of yourself to realize that you benefit from white privilege. And honestly, that's another reason why I started this podcast. I've been seeing posts where... It says it's not up to your black friends or your friends who are non-white to educate you in topics about Black Lives Matter or about racial injustice. But to me, I see it as if somebody's reaching out to me to say, I hear you and I see you and I'm with you, what can I do to help? I'm not going to push them off and be like, why can't you figure it out yourself? I'm going to try my best to give them the resources and give them an avenue where they feel as though they're helping and they're contributing. And the same goes with my friends who are gay or lesbian or just part of the LGBTQ community. As children, we're taught that if we have questions, we're supposed to ask those who know the most about it. So why does it change once we become adults? Why is it that someone that I love and I care about can't feel comfortable to come to me and have an open discussion about what they can do to make this world better and what they can do to raise awareness? And it's not to say I'm an expert. It's definitely been a learning experience for me that required doing a lot of research on my own, and it will continue to be a lifelong learning experience. 
But as the name of this podcast implies, it's important to be able to have the conversations with our peers that really make us think about what we can do to be better and what we can all do to be the generation that breaks down the racial and social injustices of this country. Um, so I'll be posting resources to foundations, petitions, fundraisers, events, and protests to my Instagram at Convos with Lexi. I know today was a lot to take in. And it is really important that while we work together to change the climate in this country, that we are all taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally, and spiritually. I know for me, talking with my therapist, having this conversation with my fiancé and friends and family has helped me tremendously. So try to stay active. Always, always, always do your research. It's imperative that we're all learning and that we're all being active learners um, of our history so that we don't repeat it. If you'd like to reach out to me, please do so. You can email me or DM me on my Instagram. I'd love to talk with you. My goal here is to really collaborate with you all and for us to be a team. So if you have any resources or information you'd like me to post or topics you'd like me to cover, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so, so much for tuning into the very first episode. And if you liked what you heard, tune in and subscribe. Until next time, stay safe, stay after the goal, and do your part.